news. Right? And the more you do that, the more anxious and nervous and all the... In fact, that's why I stopped watching the news about a year ago so I could be a nice human again. But the reality is that this world is crazy. The world is broken. There's a lot of reasons for anxiety. If you look out, the culture is falling apart. The world seems to be falling apart. People are falling apart. Right? There seems to be a lot of reasons for, the, for us as humans to be worried. But God has a counter to that for us. Now, in this world, of course, I'm not saying that just because we have God protection that we don't have to be wise. God tells us to be wise, right? Risk mitigation is important, that we don't want to live foolish lives going about doing crazy things and wonder why bad stuff happens to us. But here's the thing. In this world, you understand that you are in God's hand, and that has some wonderful uh, uh, benefits to it. And one of the things I think we go through is we enjoy God's protection. Understand, it's, it's a full protection over our lives. In fact, there's three very powerful things that God protects us from now. And then one of those is that he protects us from our world. And we see that in Scripture. It's huge. And, and understand, ever since the fall, this world has been a violent place, right? We, we understand that one of the, uh, all the nature documentaries talk about, what, the survival of the fittest? If you want to see brutality, look at nature. It's not all peaceful and rosy. People come to the mountains to enjoy peace. But if they actually paid attention to nature, it's kind of violent. And it started ever since we fell in the garden. Before then, we had God's provision and all those things, and everything worked well. But ever since the fall, nature also fell into despair and also into corruption. And ever since that point, we've seen that, of course, we have... Uh, survival being the, the uh, order of the day for nature, but we see the world itself oftentimes working against us instead of for us, right? Uh, floods and fires and famines and earthquakes and volcanoes, right? All of those things happen, natural disaster hits, but that's not even the worst catastrophe that's happened on earth. The worst catastrophe is what's happened to humans, right? We have all kinds of things that we do to each other. There's crime and violence and corruption. Do you ever feel in this world that you are so small and you are so vulnerable to everything that's out there in the world that, that it makes you nervous? That, that there's nothing you could do to stand up against all of that? Well, there's a reason for that. The world is bigger than us. And it is more broken than we can possibly comprehend. And it's more broken than we as humans could even fix. Fortunately... It's not just uh, up to us against the world. But I'll tell you what, even Jesus told his disciples as Christians, we're going to be in this world. And he says, I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. It's like, this is a crazy world. It's a broken world. It's not God's fault. We broke it. It is this way because of us. And yet, in, even in scripture, Jesus says, listen, I get it. I'm sending you out to a violent, scary place. And as my followers, as disciples... It doesn't mean that, that you're not going to have to rub up against the sharp edges of this world. Sometimes we get cut a little bit. So he says, be smart, right? That it's going to be, you know, don't just go out there and live foolishly, or foolishly. But he also promises us this. He says, in this world you have trouble. But he goes on to say, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Why would he tell us we'd have trouble in this world so we'd have peace? Well, in context, he's given this passage... But when he's telling his disciples, I'm going to be crucified. And not only am I going to be crucified, and it's going to be pretty lousy, but all of you are going to betray me. And so in this world, you're going to have trouble. 
but take heart. Why? Why would he tell us that's peace? Because that last part, in this world you're troubled, but take heart because I have overcome the world. That is where our peace comes from. It's not just us versus the world. Isn't that wonderful? If you are not in Christ, it is you versus this incredibly corrupt and broken planet. An incredibly corrupt and broken society. But we have peace. We have courage because our God has overcome it. This world is bigger than any of us, but it is not bigger than Christ. And therefore, we have confidence and peace because we are with him. In Psalm 34, well before, about a thousand years before Jesus even came to this world, even predicting this, it says the righteous person may have many troubles. Isn't that true? Do you have many troubles? And how many, when I was first Christian, I thought that as long as I walked with God and I did everything he wanted me to do and I was a good little boy and I was righteous and holy, then I'd have no troubles. But scripture doesn't say that's the way it is. Oftentimes righteous people suffer. In fact, look at the prophets. Look at the apostles. Look at Jesus. Pretty righteous. Had troubles. But don't forget that last part. But the Lord delivers him from them all. See, being a Christian doesn't mean we won't suffer. Suffering is promised. Jesus promised that. But in this world, we're not going to suffer anything God's not delivering us out of. I'm glad it didn't say, but the Lord delivers them from some of them. Or the Lord delivers them from the ones that they didn't deserve to be in. Right? Or the Lord delivers the ones that aren't too crazy. The Lord delivers us out of all of our troubles. Now, what makes you a righteous person? Is it because you do all just righteous things? No. Now that's the way the world worked, right? Before we understood that we could never earn our righteousness. Paul talks about that in Romans. That, that all of us try to go and we try to obey all of these things and live these righteous lives. And we think somehow that God will owe us his protection. But we are made righteous because of what Christ did for us. That we're saved by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And once we have accepted that, he counts our sins as nothing. They are paid for. They are removed from us as far as east from the west. And if you have a globe, you will appreciate how far away those are. Do they still make globes? <laughs> but, but as far away as you possibly can get, infinitely. Separated from you. When you are in Christ, you are now righteous in his sight. And therefore, this promise is for the Christian. God delivers you, not because you deserve it, but because he's done it, and he's doing it. And why does he do that? And how does he do that? He does that because God is good, and he does it because he's powerful. He's overcome the world. He delivers us from all of our troubles. In Deuteronomy, it says, so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. These are troubles. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, put some context to this. When this sentence was uttered, it was by Moses. And he was on a mountain. And he was just outside of the promised land. And it was at the end of his very long time as leader of the people. He had led them all the way to the promised land once. And then they were naughty. And so they had to go on a 40-year little tour around the desert. And they finally got back. But Moses wasn't going to get to lead them into the promised land. And so he was handing off the reins to Joshua. 
and standing there, uh, you know, toes ready to go into the promised land, the people were nervous because they were going to face a lot of troubles in the form of giant cities with giant people with lots of weapons. And Moses tells the people, don't put confidence in me. Don't be troubled because I'm not going with you. Our confidence doesn't go because you have a, a really good leader or a really good pastor or a really good president or a really good army or a really good whatever it is, good bank account, good looks. doesn't matter what you have. If we put our confidence in the things of this world, we will always be troubled. And Moses goes and tells the people, gives them the secret as to how we live in this world in the reality of that we are God's people under his protection. So he says, be strong and courageous, even if your Moses isn't with you, because your God is. Your God is. And he will never leave you. God will never forsake you. In the darkest valleys, in the worstest of times, your God is with you there. And he has overcome this world. And Isaiah, another time the people were in trouble. We have uh, this nation coming down, Babylon, was coming and invading the land. And they were crushing these cities of Jerusalem, of Israel, and, and murdering its, its inhabitants because uh, there was... Uh, uh, a political issue between the king Hezekiah, he wasn't going to bow down to the king of Babylon. And this mighty fort, or this mighty uh, mob, this horde, this massive army was on their way, and they were sending emissaries to, to Hezekiah outside the city saying, we're going to kill you, it's going to be horrible, we're going we're to desecrate you, your God is weak, all those types of things. And God sends the prophet Isaiah to Hezekiah in that time with this message. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Now, when those words were uttered, it seemed entirely impossible that, the, that Jerusalem would be saved. Entirely humanly impossible. And by faith, Hezekiah had to either stand with God or bend a knee to this horrible, godless horde. And he chose to stand with God. And I'm, you should go back and read in Isaiah the story, because God delivered them in the most fantastic way. Even when it looks impossible, even when the world looks so big, so scary, you have real practical problems and, and real things. Sometimes your problems carry swords. Right? Sometimes they're there breathing threats against you, and you think, what am I going to do? Even in those times, look what God says. Don't be afraid. Why? Because I am with you. Brothers and sisters, we have that promise plus. Because God isn't just with us. He is in us. His Holy Spirit indwells you. That's something even Hezekiah didn't enjoy. Your God is here. This is why, as Christians, we don't give ourselves over to fear. Right now, do you feel overwhelmed? outnumbered, outclassed? Is this world seems so big, so terrifying that you just sometimes don't even want to get out of bed? That your problems just make you sad every time you think about them? That you want to just escape? Understand this. The strength to overcome your problems doesn't lie with just you. It lies within you. And that is God who is within you. And he's delivering you even now through them. 2 Corinthians, New Testament. 
The Apostle Paul writes the church in Corinth then that we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Right? We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. As Christians, we're going to face hardship in this world. There's one thing that we find in Scripture and over and over again. It says Christians are to persevere. That's what we do. Right? We face trials. We're going to suffer because everybody in this world suffers. Because it's a broken world. The difference is as a Christian is that God is working in you. You persevere. Something it tells us as Christians that we don't have to do. In fact, we're encouraged we're not to is to fear. That's the difference between those who are in Christ and those who are outside. If you're outside, you don't have God's protection. You don't have him with you, in you, working, overcoming all these things. You haven't allowed him to do that yet. You should be afraid. This world is terrifying. It is big. But for the Christians, we persevere because we know there's another side. Now I know what you're thinking, because I thought this too when I read that the very first time and the thousandth time as I think to this. What about the Christians who are crushed? Because we see that. How about North Korea? How about Afghanistan right now? Who are persecuted, right? And seemingly abandoned. How about those who, who have been thrown into prison and forgotten? Or the prophets who were executed even while they were doing the right things? How about the Christians? How about the 90 million Christians who lived in Turkey who were executed in massive genocide right before the First World War? What about them? Understand it's important that we get this. That God's protection carries us through this world and into the next. He is not saving us for this world. He is saving us from this world. And there are times that God allows us to suffer to the point of death. Because that's not ultimately our death. And he carries us even through that. So even in death, we have great hope and assurance. But know this, for most of us and most of our lives, the troubles that we face today are not going to be the ones that end us. Right? God is delivering us from all things, which is why, in James, it says we consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, do you know lots of kinds of troubles? Yeah. And it's supposed to be pure joy, not like 50% joy, but absolute pure joy, military-grade joy in your life. When you face trials, are we weird? No. Because when we face trials of many kinds, we know that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. This is what we're called to do. Let perseverance finish its works. So you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. What this means is that, that God does not allow a Christian to suffer anything that he is not actively going to redeem in their life. You're protected from unnecessary suffering once you're a Christian. Once you come to Christ, the things that you suffer, your suffering is curated for your sanctification. That's what that means. And you say, but Aaron, I've suffered horrible things. Yeah. God will use the difficult things in our life to shape us. But Aaron, my suffering has left me with a limp. Yeah. So did uh, Jacob, right? He, he was changed and had a limp, and then God renamed him to Israel. Your suffering shapes us. Your suffering is not wasted. The things that you are enduring today, God is using to develop in you a purity that's going to last for eternity. So have you gone through hardship, difficult things, financial ruin, torture, abuse, 
Have you gone through the loss of people that you really love? Rejection. Know this, that if you are in Christ, that God allowed you to suffer these things because he's purifying you. He's doing something in you. That that was curated for your benefit. And there is a day coming when we look back upon this world, that we will look at those things and how they shaped us and we will give God glory. And so we have joy in it. But it's not just our suffering that God is curating. It's also your good things. You know your blessings come from God? Isn't that our memory verse? And you know blessings can spoil us if we have too many of them? If you doubt that, read the Old Testament. These are God's people knowing his word. And whenever there was too much blessing, what happened? They got all full of themselves and walked away from God. Too much blessing in this world does the same corruption in our own hearts and lives, doesn't it? You ever wonder why God's not blessing you more? Well, maybe it's because he loves you too much. And maybe the blessings, all the good blessings that you have come from God. And the good things that you do have are the evidence of his love and mercy in your life right now. He gives us just enough, the good that we need to bless us, to grow us. And he gives us the suffering we need to grow us. He's curated your life to turn you into a holy saint. This is a phenomenal stuff for us because it allows us to face every day with confidence that you're not going to face anything today that's not actually benefiting you. So the world goes crazy. And you know that your God's protecting you. You're not going to suffer one thing that God's not actively using to grow you. And so if you don't, it's not going to help you, you're not going to have to suffer it. And if you are suffering it, God is using that to benefit you. And someday you're going to give glory to him for that. We have no reason for fear. This world has been conquered by Christ. And you are his and he is with you. So we are not just subject to a chaotic world. We are in the hands of a creative God who is good. And he's at work in your life. What a great protection, but that's not the only one. Because he also protects us from our enemy. Do you remember last week I, I gave you how God designed us, right? We're body, soul, spirit, right? He, he made us from the nature and the supernature and the soul in the middle. So we have our body, and that's part of the natural world. And so our body is really subject to this, and God has protection from the world. But what about the other part of us? What about the spiritual world? What about our spirit? Does God protect that too? Indeed he does. But you know that we have an enemy of our spirit, it's the devil. I drew that. I'm proud of that. The devil is a spiritual being. It's from the spiritual realm. All that he yet uh, the demons uh, and all those are just fallen angels. They're they're not anywhere near equality with God at all. And here's evidence for that: that uh, when Jesus was walking the earth, there was a man who had an entire army of demons inside of him, and that army of demons runs up to Jesus and surrenders and says we know who you are please don't torment us and Jesus then casts all of those army of demons into 2,000 pigs who commit suicide and I know you guys like that so that's what happened that, that God versus the devil is not a fair fight at all but the devil versus us is a pretty unfair fight too we see times in scripture where angels are able to wipe out entire armies. In fact, just one angel is able to do that. So if you're trying to take on the demonic horde by yourself, good luck. As humans, without God's protection, we should be terrified of demons. But it's not just us. Second Thessalonians says, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. 
Isn't it good to know that God doesn't just protect your body, but he protects your spirit as well? And he's bigger than the enemy. In fact, he's also smarter than the enemy. And everything the enemy does, God already has a counter to it. He's not going to let you suffer anything that the, he's already not going to use for your good, which is why in Scripture it says we consider it pure joy whenever we face many trials because we know these are tests of our spirit. Now, the enemy is not there trying to test you. He's there to try to destroy you, to devour you, to kill you. But God says, no, 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 no. I'm allowing this test into this person's life so that it can make them stronger. He mitigates the devil's ability in your life. And know this too, the devil often works to people, doesn't he? He corrupts people, he, and a lot of the suffering we have in this world is because the devil has done that to us. That God also is bigger than, than those things too. That God protects us from the enemy in the spiritual as well as the enemy's influence in this world. And how does he do that? Well, he gives us spiritual defenses. In Ephesians 6, you read about them. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. So put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. God didn't leave you out there naked. He didn't leave you spiritually defenseless. He tells us to put on full armor. What is it? Well, if you keep reading in that passage, you have this. You start with this helmet of salvation, which is the most important piece of equipment. Now, I have a football coach, and I'll tell you, we will never let a player onto the field if they don't have their helmet on. That's the first thing you need, because your noggin is important. In like way, we start with the helmet of salvation. The enemy can't kill you. There's no killing blow. God has you in his hand. When you are saved, you are saved. You're his. So we need to start with that. If you have no other armor, start there. How silly would it be to put on the rest of it and then not have that, because you are vulnerable. But if you start with salvation, then we have all these other great things that he tells us to put on. Sorry, but the breastplate of righteousness. This shields us. When you live a righteous life, your righteousness on the inside doesn't come from, from all your good works. But as you live a righteous life, it shields you from bad things. Living God's way is wise. Okay? So if you, you know, don't commit crimes, you're less likely to go to jail. Right? If you're not... You know, a nasty person to your spouse or to other people around you, generally they're going to like you, right? If you are a peacemaker, generally you're not going to have tons of conflict in your life. If you live a righteous life, if you are a person who is generous and kind, guess what? Oftentimes that defends you, doesn't it? God told us how to live a righteous life in Scripture because our version of righteousness is not necessarily true. Our world sometimes calls evil things good and good things evil. So how do we know how to live a righteous life? Well, we find it in the Word. And as we apply that Word to our lives, as we begin to grow in that, God protects us in this world. That's why it's important that we are not just believers in Jesus, but disciples, followers of Him. So we put on that breastplate. Beyond that, you have the belt of truth. And I have on there absolute truth, because God's Word is true. It's based on who He is. And that holds everything together. If you live your life wondering if the Bible, I can trust it or not, and sometimes you do and sometimes you don't, you've got a slippery loose belt, right? And if you've ever seen somebody with a slippery loose belt, some of their pants fall down, it's embarrassing. Same way when people live their lives without having truth around them. When they're wondering what's true and what's not, they live wishy-washy lives, and sometimes they're just terribly embarrassed. Doing what they think is right, but they don't know what it is. But you know God is truth, and you follow him, if you get his word and you understand it, you follow his ways. If you are giving yourself saying, I'm going to stick with truth. The truth is sticking with me. This is true. Sometimes I disagree with it, but it's still true. 
right? We put our lives in conformity to that. It holds us together. It's pretty good stuff. Beyond that, we, we have here the shield of faith, which it says actually extinguishes the fiery arrows of the enemy. Right? And the enemy is going to test you. He's going to test your faith throughout this life. He's going to tell you all kinds of lies. God's holding out on you. You're not good enough. God's disappointed with you. God's mad at you. He's smiting you. All these lies that, that the enemy's going to throw at you. And what do we have against that? We have solid, real faith in our God. That I am saved by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior. Regardless if I feel saved, regardless if I feel loved, regardless if I feel protected, my God is there and he's at work. And when we hide behind that shield, all of a sudden the attacks of the enemy, which are meant to discourage us and to put us down, guess what happens? They fizzle out. We have a real faith. It's a shield for us in life. And beyond that, we have really cool kicks. Right? We have the gospel of, of Christ. Do you know what that means? And I always wonder, why is it they put that on the feet? Right? And I'll read different commentaries. A lot of people have different ideas of that. So here's what I think. In there, for whatever it's worth. Have you ever gone somewhere without shoes and it just hurts your feet and you're like, man, I shouldn't be standing here? Because I did that the other day. My dog decided to run off and I had to run up the road and get him. And I was like, I should not be standing here and my feet hurt. Right? What happened was, yeah, I could go to those spaces, but it brought pain and agony, and I didn't want to stay there for very long, and I obviously felt like I didn't belong there. I wasn't dressed for the occasion. The gospel dresses us for the occasion. Anywhere you go, you belong. Because God has authority through the entire world. He has conquered this world. And which means that you can go to your friends and family who don't know Christ, and it may be uncomfortable if you didn't have the gospel, but now you have grace. You know that you are saved by God's grace through faith, and that same thing is for them. That we don't have to judge other people or make them right. God does that. That I don't have to say, well, I really don't belong here. This is the devil's ground. The devil doesn't own anything that God doesn't own first. That we can go anywhere, any place, any time, and we belong. And we can stand there with comfort and with, with assurance that the gospel is with us. That's what we stand upon. I don't stand upon my righteousness or my strength. I stand upon Christ. I stand upon what he's done for me. I stand upon the fact that I'm saved by, by his grace. I know that he's called me in this world, that he has good works that he's prepared in advance for me to do, that he owns this world. And no matter where I am, no matter where I go, I am with the Lord, which gives a different kind of confidence. So we don't have to be all weird when people are like, oh, you know, you don't belong here. You're like, yeah, I do. And I can love you even when they're difficult. That I can stand even when it's hard. Even when the ground is rocky. I don't have to worry about, oh, you know, it's going to tear me up. The gospel is powerful. That's why I think the feet have the gospel. And beyond that, do you know he gives us a weapon? Which is the Bible. And do you know what you memorize every week? The Bible. I'm giving you daggers against the devil all the time. And there's a reason for that. That's how Jesus defeated the devil. Read about it. When, he, when he's tempted by Satan, what does he do? goes back to scripture. Now, Jesus could have just stopped willing the devil to exist, and the devil would have stopped existing. Not a problem for him. So why would he go ahead and quote scripture? And why would it be recorded for us? This is the same way we address the devil too, isn't it? When he comes into our life, when he tells us horrible things, it's not my truth that matters, it's God's truth. And you know what? The devil doesn't like to be smacked down by the Bible. He doesn't like it. Not at all. Now, he'll fight back. You'll read that in Scripture where, you know, the devil would tempt him, and then Jesus would be like, ta-da, Scripture. 
right? The devil knows the word. He'll try to come against you, so he tries to fence a little bit. If you know the word of God, and the better you know it, the better you'll be able to fight against the devil's schemes in your life, which is why it's so important that we don't just read the scriptures, but that we begin to understand them, right? While we come here and we study them, and like our, our Genesis study is really important. While we memorize scripture, we keep it with us. The more you know it, the better you're going to be able to use against the devil. And here's the cool thing about that. If you try to attack somebody who's armed, you think twice. Oftentimes, I think the devil has a payday in our culture because we're so biblically illiterate. You know, we may have some armor around us, but he can pound on us all day because we don't fight back. But if you begin fighting back, you got the sword, you make him just a, you might think about it twice. And think about this in your own house. If you have a, a, a fly or a wasp in your house, which one makes you more nervous? Right? Which one are you going to go smack first? Tell you what. You have the weapon. Right? So begin to use it. God has armored us. But you know what? He's also given us something that's not on this, which is the next passage in that, and that's prayer. He says to pray. You know, prayer is the cool thing because that actually is calling in reinforcements from God. That's why it says that we stand. If you pray, it's kind of like an airstrike. Right? That's why prayer is so powerful. That's why the devil always tells us, don't pray. You're too busy. Don't do it. It's boring. God doesn't listen to you. Not true. There's a reason I pray for you every single week. And if you fast and pray, it's like amping that up. Don't fight this battle on your own. Engage the Lord. Ask him to come and to help you. Pray diligently on all occasions. And God does miraculous things. And I tell you what, the enemy hates it when we talk to God. Hates it. So pray. Okay, so we have protection in the natural world and protection in, in, the, in the supernatural world. But what about this part, me? Isn't it good to know that God also protects us from ourselves? I think I'm my own worst enemy, right? I don't really need the devil of this world to trip me up. I'm dumb enough to do that on my own, right? And then oftentimes I want to do the right thing and end up not doing the thing that I want to do because of this dumb stuff or whatever, right? And I trip myself up all this time. Aren't you glad to know that God is there and he protects us from ourselves as well? But how does he do that? 1 Corinthians 10. It says, no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure. Now this passage is oftentimes misquoted to say that God's never going to let you, be, uh, you know, face anything in this world that's, that's bigger than you. Right? He's not going to give you more than you can handle. Well, that's only half true. Right? Because you're going to face this world which is more than you can handle. Right? But it's not more than God can handle. But this passage isn't talking about that. This passage is talking about you and your own frailties. That God mitigates the temptation in your life. He's setting you up for success. God's not allowing you to be tempted in any way that's going to cause you to walk away from him. God is, is not causing you to, to, to sin. God is not causing you to fail. In your life, he's always he's limiting the temptation that you can handle. And he's also providing a way of righteousness in your life right now. Every step of the way. That God is there helping you make sure that you succeed. That's pretty good. So it's not just on this macro level that God's protecting you. It's in your moment-to-moment, day-to-day, step of faith that God is there. Shielding you from your own weaknesses. Now, in, his last, in the last book of Scripture that we have in, in our order of Scripture, there's a tiny little letter that was written by one of Jesus' younger brothers named Jude. And it's just like a page, 
right? It's, we call it a book, but it's a page. And it was a letter to the church. And it warns the church against heresy. Right? Because sometimes Christians, we believe stupid things. Right? And here's a, here's a letter there that warns us, hey, listen, let's, let's continue to walk in the way of God so that we don't walk away from him. Because sometimes even though God gives us a way out, sometimes we choose not to take it. Right? And, and if we do that long enough and we want to just walk away from God and we have it set in our heart, we don't want to follow him anymore, there's some bad consequences. And so Jude's there. It's a, it's a letter that was written on the inspiration of the Spirit to encourage us and to remind us and to shape us so we live these lives following the Lord so we can stay inside protection. And at the end of that letter, I find this a great comfort. There's a huge, wonderful doxology. It says this. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord. Before all ages and forevermore. Amen. Now that's not just poetically beautiful. That is theologically rich. And it's a wonderful promise. Look in there. That Jesus is able to keep you from stumbling. Are you struggling with a sin or temptation or, or a doubt or things in your life right now? You're not facing that by your own. That Jesus is there and he's with you. And he's capable and competent and present. And he's going to help you not stumble. He's going to present you to the Father and get this with great joy. That when you're there in heaven, God's not just going to show you, up, show you off there and be like, Well, there's Aaron. I guess we have to let him in. He found the technicality. He's saved by grace and faith. But when you go home to be with the Lord, there is a party and a celebration. There is great joy that Jesus brings us back to the Father. And that's only through Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. And that's why it's important that we follow him. And he protects us even from our own weakness. And he brings us into his presence because of what he has done. And he's glad of so how do you apply this in your life? That God has given us protection. Protection from, from this world, from our enemy, and even over ourselves. If you have your connection card on the inside of there, there are some next steps that I have for you. The first one is, is going to be on there. I want you to memorize Ephesians 1.3. Know the word of the Lord. And start with praise because it's the blessings that you have come from God. And some of those blessings come right now and they come in the costume of a test. Sometimes they feel like a curse, but know this, endure it with joy because those even difficult things, God is shaping you through this. Memorize this passage so you can defend the enemy, defend him off. Something else I'm going to encourage you to do is read Jude. If there was a book that was ever designed for our time, it is Jude, and it's only a letter. It's like a page. But get into it, it's powerful. Spend some time with that this week. Something else I'm going to encourage you to do is start praying daily. If you already do that, keep, keep it up, right? That's wonderful. But we need to go into prayer. We need to be a church that engages God into our lives and to our world because he's doing good things. And if you need to know how to pray, uh, on the back of your, your uh, that yellow sheet, every day of the week, we have something as a church we're praying for. As God is developing us and designing us to be those transformational disciples, pray those things. Join us in that. And that's thing I'm going to encourage you to do is put on the full armor of God. And so, obviously, starting with salvation, if you haven't done that yet, come talk with me after the message. I'll help you. Uh, take those steps of faith and you can be saved by that. But beyond that, put on that armor this week. Intentionally, intelligently put on the armor and stand against the enemy. Enjoy God's protection. Now in a second, we're going to have a time of commitment. You take those connection cards and please everyone just drop it in the offering basket. I appreciate you do that as it's passed. Make that an offering of yourself, an act of worship of your life back to God. 
All right. So we pray for us, and then we'll have that time. Heavenly Father, you're good, you're powerful, you're wonderful, but you're also, you're so, so strong and so, so safe when we're with you. Lord, you are our refuge and our strength, and we look at this world as chaotic, but we find our joy, our hope, our, our strength in you. So, Father, I, I pray for this congregation who is enduring the, the brokenness of this world, the attacks of the enemy. Father, they're stumbling the weaknesses of their own selves. But God, we thank you that, that we find our protection in you. I pray that you uphold them and lift them. Father, carry them through these trials so that they, even these things they suffer will, will work into their benefit. And Father, I pray in this, then, that uh, you would fill us with joy instead of fear as we face each day. Let us encourage one another all the more, Lord, knowing these wonderful truths. Father, we make commitments today to walk in that truth. Help us to, to do so in a way that draws us closer to you, that we would say your kingdom come in us and through us. Father, so that you can receive even greater glory. We pray all of this in the wonderful, powerful name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.